Hello, and welcome to the Curious Artist Podcast. This is a show for artists and art lovers where I interview a diverse group of artists in order to get at the deep questions of the art world. In this episode, I interview Todd Mrzinski. Todd acquired his BFA from the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. He paints what is around him and allows inspiration to guide his art. Todd works in series to fully explore the symbolic dynamism of clothing, the fleeting beauty of tree shadows, the glowing subtlety of clouds, or the energized color of fire. Todd sees and shares beauty and wonder of life through presence and paint. He and his partner, Rene Babo, have a studio in the Nut Factory in River West, Wisconsin. Tell me about yourself, your background, what you do, and what brings you up to this point. Well, I, uh, I am an artist. I've, uh, I've been an artist pretty much all my life. Uh, I just started um, as a child and was encouraged uh, by my parents and neighbors and relatives just to continue on. And uh, I've, uh, I've always loved to draw. I've always loved to paint. In high school, I had wonderful uh, high school art teachers, uh, Miss Marin, and then I went to Myad. Excellent teachers there, uh, very encouraging, and um, I just uh, I just have kept going. Uh, I had a a mural business for about a decade and a house painting business for about a decade, and uh, continued to do my work as I was doing those, and now. I was the artist in residence at the Pfister Hotel uh, last year, and uh, about a year before that, I started to do my work full time. So, I've been doing my work full time for about uh, three years now. Cool. Well, let's dive into your past for a little bit, and then bring us up to the present moment. Uh, you, you mentioned Miss Marin. Uh, how did she influence you in high school? Um, well, she uh, she. I remember her uh, like encouraging me to come in on my on my free time or on my uh, study time and uh, study hour is that what it was called and uh, and I'd go in and she actually had an assistant who would I remember him posing clothes but posing up and uh, her encouraging me to do figure drawing uh, charcoal life drawing from life. And uh, adjust the pressure of the uh, charcoal so that the pressure would kind of mimic the weight of the body. So she was an amazing teacher. I, I started to get into murals at that point. I just really kind of wanted to work larger. And uh, I, I got into airbrushing. I, I was really intrigued by that process. and. And did that in my mural work for, oh, probably 15, 20 years. But uh, she was really, uh, really influential in, in um, the beginning of my, uh, of really focusing me on you know, pushing things, pushing the work as far as I could. I remember her always saying, you know, look at your reference or value, you know, things like that. So, so it was always a matter of kind of pushing as far as I could take something. And I continue that with the different series that I've been doing uh, for the last, 
Oh, almost 20 years now. Yeah. So, Mayad, how was that experience? Uh, it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. I started out um, as uh, as an illust- illustration major, and um, as I was doing a very meticulous illustration, I had a, a art book open, and there was a painting by Cy Twombly in the open uh, on the open page, and I remember thinking, "Boy." I really would love to do that. And I was doing this really meticulous, realistic painting. I think it might have even been of Bob Dylan. <laughs> and, um, Sorry. Like an illustration. But uh, then I saw the site Twombly with such freedom and looseness, but it still worked in space and it, it worked on a, a level that I was just starting to discover art could be. So uh, my ad really opened that up. It, it really allowed me to see real artists, my, my instructors, who really lived the life of an artist. Ron Biddix was an amazing instructor. Uh, Polly, the Wings Caster, and Paul and Valdick, all really wonderful uh, role models, really, uh, and opened up about their work pretty much after my ad, but uh, I've had a relationship with Polly and Valdek, and I had some uh, a show at the Fister called Teachers, where I had Valdek, Polly, and Ron's work, uh, and my work as well. Uh, and that has been actually really... Um, inspirational for the the work that I'm doing right now, drawings, which I hadn't done since my ad. So 20 years ago, I had this show with especially Polly. She had these amazing drawings and it was so inspirational that I have been drawing pretty much since the Fister. So that's like three or four months of drawing. Wow. So it's, it's, it, it really kind of feels like it's cyclical. It's kind of, it goes all around, and now I'm back to very basic pencil on paper, big drawings. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a great ride so far. That's cool. So Cy Twombly, I'm not familiar with that artist. Cy Twombly, is a abstract expressionist era, um, very loose, very gestural, very drippy paint. But the paintings feel like they're purposeful, like they're spatially intriguing. The paint acts as the actors in this space on the on the painting. I think that you might like his work. Really intriguing. I mean, it's about the loosest, and I guess for me, really intriguing spatially and there's kind of this mystery about the work sometimes he uses lettering writing in the in the paintings and then he covers it up so it's very poetic i'll look into that um how has that influenced you well i mean his his work it's it's always been uh ever since i saw that painting i've really just 
he kind of opened up the whole world of of art as a means of of uh, visceral expression or uh, I mean it just kind of removed a scrim or a screen of perception that art was something to be done uh, to please other people. Uh, I realized that after seeing that piece and then his work and more of his work, I, uh, it just was uh, this kind of doorway, an opening to uh, another realm. And then I studied uh, in New York for a semester and just lived at the museums and, you know, along with Cy Twombly, stood in front of Rembrandt and Velasquez and Vermeer and uh, de Kooning and uh, Joan Mitchell. Um, so my time at Mayad was amazing. The It was called the New York Studio Program, which is kind of like an exchange program uh, for a semester. So everyone was given a small studio space in New York, said, do your thing. And, uh, you know, small living, uh, dorm living, but uh, it was great for a semester. I wouldn't want to live there full time, but it was amazing to, uh, to be there and to really just absorb and just really soak up in real life painting that's actually in front of you. So many directions I could take this. The teachers. So you were heavily influenced by your teachers. What, how did you develop that personal relationship with your teachers? Um, well, I think that, uh, I mean, they, they, they recognized and, and realized that I was pretty passionate about, about what I was doing. And, well... They were just so encouraging and uh, not in an overpowering way, though. I mean, sometimes Mayad was a, was difficult for me because there were so many voices. Um, and I kind of had a difficult time quieting all the other voices enough to hear my own. Uh, but, I mean, the teachers that I had... Uh, really uh, were, were symbols for me of the potential of doing what I really wanted to do, which, I mean, kind of was a new revelation because I thought what I wanted to do was illustration. So it was kind of like I had this, wow, I, now I get painting, I understand you know, what it means when you go into a museum and you feel, or you go into a studio and you feel, I guess a, a realm of feeling opened up for me that I didn't know existed. So, and the teachers really helped me because they reinforce that realm of, of existence. Let's move beyond and... So quieting other people's voices in order to hear your own, I find that to be an interesting statement. I, I feel like that's something that I struggle with as well. Um, 
in school as well as without school? How have you managed to do that? Well, I think that, I mean, in school, looking back and, I mean, having interns and uh, kind of having a teacher role, um, I realized the importance of being able to calm other people's voices so that you can really tune in and fine tune into your own uh, your own way, your own stream, your own voice, being able to hear your own voice, I think should be like one of the most important things in art school. A lot of times teachers want you to hear their voice, but to, to really have them encourage you to listen to your own voice, whatever in the morning you get up and you feel the strongest urge, you know what that is deep down follow that if you can follow that and listen to that voice then the blocks the artistic blocks they kind of disappear i mean because you're following them you're not trying to make something happen you're not trying to uh make something occur that isn't there you're following the inspiration that you're hearing now and that is, it's truer, I guess, or it's more, uh, more true to your own self because you're just following your own voice rather than trying to make up a new language. I don't know if that makes much sense. I think but, it does. Is there anything like yeah. practical you do to do that? Is there anything, what was that? Like that you do in order to develop that voice, um, like meditate or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, meditation has been really important. Um, and just to be able to, to listen to, to my own voice, what is the voice in the head saying? Uh, especially what's the rep repetitive voice saying? And to be able to just sit and calm your mind enough to be able to hear your own voice that's, I mean, that's huge. Uh, the other thing is to, to, I have avoided being around people who I know whose voice is um, extra powerful or who kind of messes with my radio frequency. Mm -hmm. uh, I know those people and it's kind of like, okay, can only go to a certain level and but if you know that those sorts of people kind of joggle with the the tuner of your own radio you know i i avoid them um also you know activities uh getting up and and doing drawing or getting into that zone right away really helps because you're listening to that radio station more and you become more familiar with it. So you gotta just, I do, I work quite a bit. I mean, as much as I can, I probably, you know, I have pretty much a studio right now that has been f very active. I have my daughter 
one week on, one week off. So when I don't have her, I'm there pretty much all the time. I mean, we camp out, we sleep there. Um, so as much as possible to stay in that, in that work zone, in that frame of mind of working, of, of doing the work, that helps in fine-tuning as well because you're in that zone. And if I feel like I'm not in that zone, I'm not in a good spot, and there's lots of voices going on. Generally, I don't, I don't work. I don't. Uh, I, I try and get into that spot of feeling good and hearing my own voice, and then work. Sometimes, uh, you know, if I don't, if I don't feel quite right, the the working will help fine tune. Then it's like, oh yeah, there it is again. We can follow that. Yeah, that resonates with me. Cool. I I stopped doing the work a little bit, but I'm starting again. And I I think I let all the other voices interfere with the work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so leaving my ad, you started your own mural business and house painting business. Yes, uh, first first a mural business um, because I was doing murals in high school. And then uh, right out of high school, the summer after high school, right before my ad, uh, I was totally uh, busy with mural work in different schools. And uh, it was great. I mean, I was making six-foot tall faces of the Beatles and, you know, Marilyn Monroe. And, I mean, it was really fun. It was was great to be able to to do these huge... uh, these huge images on these very public buildings. Uh, I did a, a big mural on a mu- uh, music building, and uh, the faces were literally six feet. Uh, so it was, wow. it was really uh, fun to paint Willie Nelson and you know, I mean all of my Bob Dylan, all my uh, favorite uh, musicians, and yeah. So it was nice to work on that scale too. I enjoy. I enjoyed doing large scale work uh, and uh, did the mural work for a long time and then kind of burnt out on it. Uh, and I realized that I was spending so much time, so much creative time on that. I wasn't able to focus enough time on my own work. Um, and then uh, people started to ask me about house painting when I was doing murals. And I was like, well, yeah, I can paint this wall. And I realized that that was much less uh, of a demand on my creative juices. So I focused on that for 10 years and uh, did house painting. I actually met Renee uh, because she also did house painting uh, through that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much. And I just continue to do the work throughout. What kept you doing the work throughout? Because it can be a little discouraging when there's no, for me at least, when there's no end goal in mind. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, it's always been kind of, uh, uh, if I need, it's, it's a respite. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I don't want to really call it a, an escape, but when I was going through some really difficult times, uh, you know, in a previous relationship and uh, 
some family issues, I'd go to the work, you know, I'd go and, and I, I would start to paint uh, uh, things symbolically um, about people in my life that maybe I couldn't paint literally. Uh, so I really felt like through some difficult times, a uh, symbolist kind of painting developed for me and continues. I mean, I still feel like I do a lot of, of painting, very symbolic um, portraits of people through their clothing or through their shadow or uh, logs as symbols of people, um, fires or clouds as symbols of emotional states or uh, time periods in my life, transition periods. So I, I kind of use these different uh, uh, symbols to, to uh, refer, well, I guess a little bit like Sai Twombly kind of uses the symbol uh, of boats, of very abstract uh, shapes. I think that I probably picked up on some of that symbolism. So let's uh, fast forward to the FISTA residency. Um, how was that experience? Ah, oh, that was really, it's, it was really amazing. Uh, an amazing experience. Uh, a very intense experience for me, just because it was a year long uh, and, and very focused on uh, the series that I was doing, uh, which was uh, based on cast shadows. It's called The Light from the Fister. Uh, based on cast shadows of guests, associates, and elements in the Fister. And uh, I think there were over 200 paintings done. So it was a very productive time, very, uh, very inspirational just to be in, in that uh, space, in that building, with all that activity, the energy. You never know who you're going to see, who you're going to meet and talk to. And then uh, to be able to just kind of wander around uh, and look at museum quality work and then go back to the studio and continue to, to paint was really uh, awesome. It was great. Can you uh, talk about the application process? Uh, the application process, that was somewhat extensive. Uh, I felt like when I was doing it, it was preparing me for being the artist in residence because the application process, I mean, you have to have a video and a resume and uh, lots of samples and, but it was getting me prepared for when I became artist in residence, uh, really the, the amount of people asking for interviews and just the, the amount of interaction with everyone was, I mean, it, it really prepared me and it got me ready for it. So uh, I would highly recommend uh, anyone that's interested in that to apply uh, really amazing program. And uh, the biggest thing is if you do apply, how does your work relate to the Fister, to being there? Uh, in my work, I felt really fortunate that 
these shadow portraits. Uh, I was doing them beforehand, and I actually was inviting people to my studio uh, to participate in the in the series. I realized I could just ha- be in the studio at the Fister and have people kind of come to me, and that's really what happened. They were kind of attracted to the studio, and uh, a lot of unsuspecting guests became part of the series and it really was an amazing experience to see the the uh, transformation of them walking into the studio and then becoming part of the series and then walking out of the studio I mean it was it was it was great it, it really felt like art is transforming their mood their life so and then I got to spend uh, many more hours with the painting and the energy of that transformation as I was doing the painting. So, Yeah, I got two questions. Uh, first of all, uh, can you talk about that series? Because I don't know if everyone listening has a, a whole background of what you're doing. It's a really cool series, but what, what the inspiration behind it was. Sure. The, yeah. Uh, the, the Shadow series... Uh, uh, was started on the one-year anniversary of my father's death. Uh, I had a black-and-white photo that I was looking at that I wanted to do a painting of him. So I had an acrylic paint for for whatever reason. I, I mean, kind of throwing, going back to the mural, doing the murals, I mean, I hadn't done uh, portraits in acrylic since, you know, boy, high school, really at least 15 years. And then I started this painting and I was like, I'm going to just do this painting and it's going to look awesome and it's going to connect with him. And I'm going to feel that connection. And I started it in about 10 minutes, realized that it was work and frustrating. And I kind of smeared it out and sat on the couch and Renee, my wife walked in. She's also an artist. And she said, there's so much paint on this palette do you mind if I cover the entire canvas with it? So she covered it and it was, you know, pretty dark looking canvas. And I took a nap and I got up and I realized I saw that there was an amazing uh, light coming from the door and walked over and I looked out and I saw the tree shadow on the ground, almost like for the first time, like took my breath away. I was like, I know what I have to do. I took the canvas off the wall, put it on the, grass and I outlined in light paint the tree shadow and that's how the tree shadow series was born and uh, after that I've done hundreds and hundreds of these cast shadow based paintings Uh, and as I was doing the tracing I felt my dad's presence so profoundly uh, much more than looking at that photo and doing that painting uh, so it really felt like a gift from him, this way of working, and his name was Ray. So, I mean, it was kind of like the sun ray, uh, really an epiphany moment. And uh, I remember Renee coming home because I got up from my nap. She went somewhere. She came home and the painting was pretty much done. And she was like, what is that? I was like, I know, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was just kind of like this, you know, this, uh, this epiphany uh, 
birth moment that uh, that I just continued then did a ton of tree shadows as the weather got cold I came inside and I did a, a ton of window shadows we have a southern facing window so that happened my daughter was helping me with the tracing of the we have all these plants in that window and uh, my daughter was tr- helping me trace the plant shadows one day and she got into the canvas and I was like, Oh, hold it right there. So I traced her into it. So, so it was like the first figure in the shadow series. And, uh, then after that I've done, uh, people, you know, figures, portraits, uh, pretty much ever since, um, I did a series based on people drinking uh, called libations. And that started because I was in the kitchen one day and the sun sets in that window and came in and I was drinking and I saw my shadow on the oven of myself drinking. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I got a canvas and just held the, the, the glass up and very lightly outlined the cast shadow of myself drinking onto the canvas. So that series was born just kind of like that. So when people are like, wow, that's a really great idea that you had. It's like, well, I don't, I I didn't really have the idea. I was just open to the idea coming in. And then once it happens, I follow it. You know, I just continue. And then the series grow all of a sudden the studio is full of, of bouquet shadow paintings and it's like well there's another series and it just kind of continues and flows like that and it's all about being in that tuned in area of being able to hear those things and being able to quiet the other voices enough that you can hear them and then you're now doing drawings you said yes yeah, I'm doing uh, mainly pencil drawings, graphite. And uh, I started little drawings. Uh, actually, I think the first drawing that I did was of a window at the Fister. It was kind of like my transition from the Fister back into the Nut Factory, into the home studio. And I was totally inspired by Polly's drawings in the in the pop-up gallery for that show that teacher show and uh yeah it it just um i just started with little drawings little containers little cups drawings of little vessels and uh i did a drawing of a a teapot from the fister and then uh when i came back here well, actually, a couple of weeks before the, the Fister ended, I started drawing windows here, just in the house. The first one was just like my bedroom window. I was sitting just in, in the dark, pretty much, because I was really interested in how the light was coming through the shades and how to capture that in drawing. And uh, it was just really kind of like this moment of regained hermitude after a year of extremely social and public activity at the Fister to come back and just kind of spend hours and hours and hours in 
relative darkness in my own room drawing windows. So it was, it was kind of like a nice transition out of the Fister back home. And I think I have about 20 window drawings, pretty much of all the windows in my house. And a lot of them were done at night. So I'd actually turn the light, lights out and study how the night light was coming in through the windows. And then I'd have a little light next to me and turn that on, draw, 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 turn it off again, look, turn it on. So it was kind of this back and forth with very basic, simple shapes of light and dark, but main, a lot of dark. I mean, it was, I'll have to, I'll show them to you. They, I'd like to see them. I'll post a link to them if you have any available on the show notes. Yeah, uh, I don't, actually, they're so new. I haven't really added anything yet to the website, um, but I will. Okay. Just yeah. let me know so I can add them to web, to the website. Sure. Um, and, then, and then the cloud uh, drawings started. I went actually. I went camping uh, to something called Jam for Jam for Jam Jam for Jamaica. It's like a uh, fundraiser for uh, to help build homes in Jamaica. And I went to this uh, um, camping and was in the tent and amazing clouds rolling in. And I had my sketchbook and I was like, okay. I'm going to draw this cloud. And actually that same weekend I had a huge, the, the biggest cloud painting that I've done, done, I think in 2012, 1913, that band was performing at museum of Wisconsin art mm -hmm. and they wanted it behind them to perform. So that was, that painting was hanging in the museum of Wisconsin art. Wow. And I was kind of starting this new cloud drawing series at the same time. I don't even can't even remember where we were up north somewhere camping, you know, just in this open field. And, uh, then I got back to the studio and have a photography friend who gave me some large pieces of paper that she used for backdrops. And it's like, boy, I feel like doing a large cloud drawing. So cut a big piece of paper. I started that. And that was four by four. And I was like, I want to go even bigger. So I did a four by eight foot one. And uh, then after that, I just have continued. So I'm going to go into the questioning part of the interview. Okay. Uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. These are some questions that I'd like to ask all my guests. And we can go in depth. It's not a lightning round or anything. <laughs> okay. Um, so what is your definition of art? Hmm. Something that is made by an artist. Anything more specific than that? Mm. Boy. Uh, yeah, I think that it, it's, it's, art is, uh, art is that which someone manipulates something and transforms it. So then what is an artist? Well, an artist is a transformer. Uh, an artist is a, I guess, in old-fashioned terms, an alchemist, a person that, that takes material and transforms it into something else. So taking powdered, colored mud and mixing that with oil 
and applying it to a piece of fabric with hair on the end of a stick and then making that something that someone looks at and thinks that is light or that is space. So it's really kind of uh, a magical thing. I mean, it's uh, an artist is a magician. Right. I'm asking these questions not that I think there's one right answer or anything. I just like how different people answer them differently. Oh, uh, sure. So what role do you think art and artists play in today's society? Well, I think uh, an artist is... Uh, is is a uh, the eyes of society i mean we we really uh kind of are the we take in and then process and put back out it's kind of like uh, holding up a mirror to society in a way uh and the people it seems like the people that can appreciate my work uh that mirror image resonates with them they can they can uh, somehow feel the uh, my resonance and their resonance resonate. So how do you stay artistically productive with everything you have going on right now? Well, as much as possible, I, I follow my instinct and intuition. And when I follow the intuition, I really feel... Uh, like the work thrives. Um, as soon as I have a, an intuition and I don't follow it, then I, I feel that block happen. And even if it feels, you know, totally out there. I mean, I have, I have this, uh, inspiration to do a, a very large drawing. So, I mean, that's out there. I, I, I feel that as, as something that's going to happen soon. But if I would ignore that, then uh, that kind of would become a block for me. So it, it's just, uh, it's following that impulse to do, to create. And I have that impulse quite a bit, so. What's the why behind what you do? The why behind what I do? Uh, I could not, I would be an extremely grumpy person if I did not do my work. I. I, uh, I've got to do it. I mean, it's, it's something that, boy, it's just part of, it's part of who I am. I mean, I could not even imagine not doing drawing or painting or something artistic. And I have had times where, oh, maybe seven, six, seven or eight years ago that I did, I did very little work for like almost a year. And, uh, and it was a, a pretty difficult time. Mm -hmm. So I really, I, I do go into my work. I mean, it, it, there's really, at this point, there's really no difference. I mean, I get up and a lot of the times I roll out of bed and I'm drawing. And, or, it's, it, it's, hard, it's hard to even imagine not doing the, the work. I mean, it's, it's such an integral part of my everyday life. Great. A lot of artists I've found given a similar answer to you. <laughs> I, yep. I think I do too. So, <laughs> What are some books that inspire you artistically? 
books. Uh, when I was going through the, that period of, of not doing much work, uh, there was a book called Art and Fear. Uh, amazing book. Yeah. Really, really liked that book. Um, that really helped. Um, let's see. A lot of the times when I was uh, at Myad, I would read actual art books. Uh, I remember, I think Robert Hughes wrote a book or wrote all of the writing in a Howard Hodgkin actual book, you know, so I just read actual art books, not cover to cover, but especially if there were areas that would focus on material and technique. There's a great book on uh, Velasquez called Technique of Genius that has amazing details of his paintings. And then it goes into different uh, kind of theories or different thinking about how he went about his work. So I guess I, I, I read things like that, that, that really inspire me. Agnes Martin's uh, diary writings, amazing. I haven't heard of her before. Look into that one. Yes. Are there any blogs you read nowadays? Hmm. You know, I, I keep up with uh, Frank Juarez, uh, but um, let's see, there's also a blog called, oh gosh, Nan LaKyle. I can't remember what she calls her blog, but she just uh, uh, did something on uh, my work. But no, I, you know, honestly, uh, Carly, I don't read half. I mean, I don't read not even 90% uh, of 10%. I mean, of what I would read at my, at what I used to read. I don't really read that much. I'm a big reader myself. So <laughs> these are things mm. I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some artist resources that you would recommend? Artist resources. Um, there's an amazing website called uh, Google Art Project that it has a, a great selection of, of work that you can go in and choose and then zoom in. And it's almost like you're at the museum. Not totally, but almost. So you can really get close to a Rembrandt painting and just see how the brush strokes were made, how he did, how he made up that hand, um, or, you know, look at the Goya and just see how up close, how the paint is applied. Uh, that was a huge, and has been, and still is a huge resource for me. Um, let's see, other resources. I mean, that's a good one. I haven't heard of that one. You know, I have found Instagram as being a really great resource for, uh, for different, um, artists, ideas, uh, images, ways of, of, of painting. Um, so that's been a great resource for me too. Anyone you follow specifically on Instagram or you just like to look? Uh, there's some people that I follow specifically. I can't remember the names offhand, but, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple, uh, that, that have, um, 
they focus on details of uh, of, of work. So they they like I think it's called principles of painting or something like that. But they focus on like he'll put on a, a full image and then like seven or eight detail shots. And I really like to see those and just see how the, the piece is made. Lots of prints too, you know, how the, how the marks are made, how that tree, how, how that artist made that tree with just using marks or this morning there was one of a moon and how, how that moon was made just by the marks that were, that were put down. So I, I follow that one. I follow that one. So the role of the audience, I feel, is interesting in art. Do you want to speak to that? The audience, yeah. Well, I mean, whenever I, whenever people talk about audience, I think of, I think there's a Bob Dylan line where he says, I write my songs for myself and my friends. And I feel that that's pretty appropriate for me. I mean, I'm not, uh, in terms of galleries, I'm not doing things for a gallery or for uh, for anyone but really myself. I mean, I do commission pieces, but um, for the most part, I really get to follow exactly what inspiration dictates, and, um, and I feel really lucky about that. So you've mentioned Dylan a couple times. Um, is there anything you want to speak more to about him? Um, well, I just uh, listened to him last night. I mean, I'm just a huge Dylan fan. Yeah. And uh, we went to see him at Ravinia, and I've seen him many, many times. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I find him extremely uh, influential and inspiring and um, just really authentic, you know. I mean, uh, anybody that, that does what he does for as long as he does and just... I just see him as being that a vessel. Like I'm, I'm hoping to be a vessel of whatever poetry or painting or whatever comes through. I want to. I want to be that that channel, that uh, station of just allowing the transmission of this whatever universal flow or energy to happen through me. And for me, Dylan, you know, I mean. When he was 20, he was writing those amazing songs. He was doing that. He was just opening himself up to that and allowing it to flow through him. So, I don't want this has been a great conversation. I have two more questions written down, but I don't want to end it. <laughs> right, but I'm out of respect to your time. I'm going to start wrapping things up now, if you don't mind. Okay, sure. If that's what you want. Um, sure. So, I have two final questions. The first one is where can people find you online and what, they can, what can they do to support you? Well, they can find me online. My name is my website, so it's just www.toddrosinski.com. Do you want to spell that uh, for them? It's T-O-D-D-M-R-O-Z-I-N-S-K-I.com. I also have uh, on my website, uh, Renee and I also offer a... Uh, a service called mobile art where people can look on our website and if they like a, a, a body of work, uh, a certain series, and they want to see some of the paintings in their home, uh, they can call us up and we will bring paintings to their home so that they can see what they, what it looks like uh, right in their home with their, you know, 
the color in the room and their decor. Uh, so that's something that we've been doing and it's been really great. And uh, so that's one thing that they could do uh, for support. I mean, pretty much uh, all the work that I do is for sale. So that's another thing. Uh, we give studio visits. So people just have to contact me or Renee and uh, set up a studio visit. And yeah, we can show, can show it. I, I think there's, boy, tons of work in the studio right now. So I know that feeling. <laughs> yep. Okay. So the name of the podcast is The Curious Artist. What is an artist... Are you curious about right now? Hmm. Treetops. That's what I'm curious about. Treetops. I was looking this morning at a treetop and noticing the difference in one treetop to the next and one tree to the next and how the treetops really have their own unique way of sitting, of forming in space, and how those react to the sky. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm curious about at this moment. Thank you so <laughs> much for agreeing to do this. You're welcome. Thank you, Carly. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to support the Curious Artist Show, please share it with a friend or someone you think would enjoy it. Thanks again. Have a nice day.